Welcome to the Heart of Healing, the pandemic episodes. I am your host, Tom Fold. In these episodes, we will meet loving, talented people who, while coping with their own pandemic stress, are offering others understanding, compassion, love, and ways to relax and heal even under the weight of current conditions. Listen with an open heart to those who, in these times, are offering their hearts and talents to all of us. And I'm very happy today we have a very special guest today, Caroline Holke, who is a coach, a unique coach who helps women regain control over alcohol. Welcome, Caroline. Thank you so much, Tom. I'm really happy to be here. Well, I'm very happy to, he to hear you today and to talk about what you do, because I think it's unique. And I, part of what I want to know is how many people you, that you know are doing such a thing. But first, my first question really to you is, during this terrible, stressful time in the pandemic, it has been reported that there's been a high increase in drinking. Is that your experience also? Yeah, definitely. In fact, in, I have data from the U.S. Um, in fact, American women are reporting that they've got 41% more heavy drinking days than they did before the pandemic. Now, I don't have data from other countries, but I work what with people. What would a heavy drinking day look like? More than three drinks on a day. More than three drinks. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I don't have data from other countries, but I work with clients all over the world. And I can tell you that that is anecdotally, at least that's been the experience in other countries as well. And it's the stress. It's uh, stress is a exactly. main issue. I imagine in everyone, mm -hmm. anyone's drinking anytime. It's mm -hmm. somewhat like eating. Also, some people eat for under stress. Some people might take drinks under stress. Exactly. You've got it. You've got it. So now, obviously, you've you've been dealing with this question before. How are you different from those alcohol-related programs, twelve-step programs, that rehabs and stuff? How does mm -hmm. how does it different for someone to work with you? And what what is the is there different aims or what? How what is that? What is it like? Yeah, in fact, I do not. Um, I think a lot of people are familiar with the abstinence-only models of AA or rehab. I work with clients that want to reshape their relationship with alcohol. And that could mean just drinking less, or it could mean not drinking at all. Because what I have found in working in this space and having gone through this work myself is that you don't have to have a technical drinking problem to have a problem with drinking. Right. And well, it's a well, very fine line, but it's really an important distinction. Well, there is a, 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 an important distinction. Is it that it has to be with actual addiction versus difficulty controlling? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are some people that, you know, coaching is not going to work for them, that they do need to do take a different path. And that's all fine and well. When, when the people that I work with, are more, they would qualify themselves more as gray area drinkers. Right. And what, it, what is so insidious about this is that they, so back to that point about they don't technically have a drinking problem and they know that going to AA or rehab is not right for them, but they also know that they don't like waking up at three o'clock in the morning with their mind racing about, oh, did they say something wrong or just not feeling well or the extra weight gain that they're getting from drinking more than they want, or the just feeling groggy or hungover, or kind of feeling like they're driving with the emergency brake on. They know that life could be better. And what happens is that since there's such low awareness that you can get help in this space, 
they just suffer in silence. That I could understand because until I met you, I truly was not aware that such a service, such a, a help was available for people. And that brings me back to the question, how did you come to do this? And how many people, I don't know if it has to be an exact number, but are there lots of people like yourself helping people? Yes, yes, yes. And so uh, the reason that, um, I, that this work resonated with me is because this is what I needed. Right. When I was in those shoes. Well, when so, you were there and you needed it, how did you discover that you could get this the help that you got? I worked with a coach and yeah, and, and that's who I ended up certifying with because I saw such transformation in my life and decided that this is what I wanted to do. I wanted to help others. Well, so when you say you work with a coach, there was the coach who's not having a title alcohol related coach, who's just a coach. That's correct. Yeah. It's a and mind. She's a mindset coach. Uh-huh. And mindset coach. Well, that's a wonderful title. Mm -hmm. I like that. Would you mm -hmm. fit into that category? Is, yes. Is, yeah. Is so yeah, because what a lot of things that I help with my clients with, yeah, sure, I'll give you some, I'll give my clients strategies and tools and stuff like that. But in order to create long-term sustainable change, we need to understand what's underneath it. What right. are those beliefs that are driving it? So if somebody has a belief that they need to drink in order to have fun, or that they really don't get a good night's sleep unless they've had a couple drinks, it doesn't matter how many tools or strategies or whatever that I give them because they're going to bounce back to that behavior right? Un right? until we really examine those, those beliefs under there. And what is at the heart of the mindset? I, I have an opinion, and that's my opinion, that it has to do with fear uh, and, and feeling unsafe and finding something that will make us feel safer. Is that related to what you've been experiencing with people? Yeah. I mean, a lot of times we develop coping behaviors because we don't want to address the negative emotions that we'd feel, whether that be fear or deprivation or stress or whatever it is. And alcohol is a very easy, I'm using air quotes, easy tool to, to <laughs> utilize in the moment, just like food is. I mean, I, I coach clients on overeating as well, because within this space, it's very much the same behaviors. Right. And what, what strategies do you offer to people? Yeah, so I, by the time somebody comes to me, they have tried a bunch of different things. They have tried using willpower. They've tried the rules of I'm only going to drink two and only on the weekends, or I'm not going to drink wine, or I'm only going to drink wine and every other iteration there is. But it's all willpower based. Right. And it's very, and willpower is a finite resource. So it runs out. And so we really can't achieve any meaningful change just utilizing willpower. So by the time somebody gets to me, they've already tried a bunch of things and they're super frustrated. And at that point, their trust in themselves is pretty depleted. So the first thing that we work on is really reestablishing self-trust. That's, and that's very important. How, tell us more on how you do that. Very important. So the tool that we utilize is called a drink plan. And so it may sound like we're utilizing the rules, but we're really not because basically we leverage, there's some understanding of how the brain works. We want to really tap into the prefrontal cortex, which is the executive part of our brain, the part of our brain that makes us human. And we want to plan out 24 hours in advance, exactly what the client's going to drink. 
This is important because at that point, if you're doing it 24 hours in advance, you are utilizing the prefrontal cortex. Right. If you're doing it an hour before your friends or, you know, your friends have called you to go for happy hour, then no, that's totally your primitive brain. That's totally your urges that are talking at that point. That's why it's important to distinguish. So that preview that he, a day ahead is important. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, definitely. And how are you? How would one set the, the amount that you drink or the total number of drinks? Or is that one? So it depends on the goal for the client. So if the client wants to drink less, then they're going to, you know, set that goal. I will tell you quite honestly, when you're thinking about when you're thinking with your prefrontal cortex, that does have your long-term interests at heart. Right. So, you know, it's not often that there are tons and tons of drinks in there. Sure. Right. There are exceptions to the rule, but a lot of times it just naturally works out that way. So what would my schedule look like if I'm doing this for the, tomorrow? That's up to you. We would talk about what your goals are. Okay. <laughs> so, so the first thing that I talk about with my clients is where are they right now with their drinking? Where do they want to go and what's in the way? And what kind of things come in the way? That's, that's fascinating. I mean, mm -hmm. okay. So what's in the way is like the best question. <laughs> well, there are two of them. Everybody pretty much knows where they are right now. A lot of people will have an idea of where they want to go, but they're not very specific and vague goals get vague results. Yes. Right. So we want to pin that down. And then when we get to what's in the way, that's really the opportunity to let that primitive brain kind of have a fit. And right. just tell me all the reasons this is a terrible idea. <laughs> and it's beautiful because then that becomes, those are the obstacles. Right. That's the roadmap. That's exactly what we need to, that's what we need to work on together. That's lovely. Mm -hmm. Have you, have people experienced in doing this work that it not only affects, you know, themselves, but all those around them? Absolutely. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And in fact, the, we get to a point where, you know, my clients have figured out where they want to be with their drinking. And I'll, I'll, quite a few times they're going to look, they look around and say, okay, now I understand why I was drinking. Mm. And, and at that point, that's a very tender moment because at that point we have already done the work on the drinking and we've already done the work on understanding how to I teach them how to manage their minds because at that point is it's really pivotal because rather than rubber banding, rubber banding back to easy for me to say back to their old behaviors, Right. We want to kind of open up to creating a life that they really love, that they don't want to numb out of. That's the beautiful part, really. Right, right. Something that they have not been having, they've not been experiencing in, the, yeah. in this time. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah. and what are some of the things that they see as obstacles that they can overcome? So in the beginning, they don't see them as things that they can overcome. And that's right. okay. That's my job. My that's, job is to believe in help them. them with that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's fine. Um, but the things that they play back are things like, um, well, I mentioned a couple of them. Like I can't imagine going out and not ordering a drink or what would somebody think? You know, I don't want people to think that I have a problem, which is always kind of funny because alcohol is the only drug that we have to take in order to prove we don't have a problem with it. 
That's fascinating. I had never heard that, but I, I can understand. That. Right. Okay. So let's, let's be intentionally provocative here. If somebody offered you some cocaine or some heroin, you wouldn't have any problems turning that down. Right. Or you could say, no, I only take it once a day. Right. Right. Or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. But that, that is sincere. That's, that comes up quite a bit of, I don't want people to think that I have a problem. So I need to drink or, or I've had somebody, sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry. I just think it sounds to have something to do with what people think of me. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. And it, it does, it definitely reveals our own biases. Right. You know, what that's what you, I would think if somebody was doing that. <laughs> what I think of the other person, if, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as opposed to saying, gee, I think tonight I'll have a ginger ale. Thank you. Right, right, right. Because the reality is most people do not really notice. And for a large degree, it's just one of those funny things with what people are thinking of me is none of my business. Yeah, that's the best way to be. Mm-hmm. But we think that people will judge us as harshly as we judge ourselves. That, that you've got the point. That's a very powerful Mm -hmm. point. We do judge ourselves harshly. Yeah. Yeah. And we assume everybody else is doing the same thing. And that's not. And and that's where we end up assuming that everybody is thinking about me. Everyone's watching everything I do or don't do. And they think something about that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little hard on the ego when you finally realize that nobody's watching and nobody's really thinking about you that way. Yeah. They actually have, they call it the spotlight effect where everybody is thinking like that. But if you can imagine, picture a stage and everybody's up on the stage and everybody's got their little spotlight on them, right. nobody can see into the other spotlights. <laughs> yes. Right. But everybody's kind of going through life thinking and everybody's looking at them, but we can't see over there because the stage is dark and we've got the spotlight on us. So that spotlight effect and just understanding more about how the brain works and how we as humans work is really helpful too, because, you know, a lot of times when most of the time, when my clients come to me, they're embarrassed or they are, they're so down on themselves at that point, they are, they just need help getting out of it. And, and so we start with reestablishing self-trust, just understanding that it's not their fault at all, their brain is actually operating exactly the way it's supposed to. Right. Because the brain is designed to find, seek pleasure. Exactly. I mean, and how did you, how, it sounds like when you're talking, you have quite a bit of training. And is that part of your, what your coach training was, your coaching training? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I do have, um, I've got a background in marketing too. So I've always been interested in human behavior. So, right. um, so that comes into play as well. But there is, but, but you're talking also human. Well, you could, that could be important for marketing, but why humans behave in a certain way and yeah. how you react to something and, mm-hmm. and what motivations, mm-hmm. motivations. Yes. Mm-hmm. Very important. Very important. Definitely. And what is the people that you are working with? Uh, is there any generalization one wants to make? There's a age wise. Um, I don't. I don't target a specific age. Um, so I tend to, the people that come to me tend to be mostly women, but that's, you know, my target. I do. I definitely work with men have seen great success with men as well. Um, probably over 40. Most of them are, but you know, and, and again, I work with people all over the world. I do only coach in English. I will say that. (laughs) 
but um <laughs> but yeah in that's today's it. world of zoom it's possible that's one of the yeah. things come out of this whole situation is in a possible improvement if you will mm -hmm. that we can mm -hmm. work with people all over the world yeah that, yeah that's great, mm -hmm. that's great. Mm -hmm. and how long have you been doing this for I have, I quit my corporate job in March of 2021. So a little over a year. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Mm -hmm. what, mm -hmm. If I may ask, what was your corporate world? I was in global marketing for Nestle Purina. So you know, was, you also did have some contacts overseas and I did. I did. I don't, I don't coach any of my, <laughs> my well, contacts there, but, I understand, yeah. but you have a yeah. feeling of what you I know, do. Mm -hmm. It's like mm -hmm. other countries and so mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. wonderful. Yeah, I love that. That's great. And how, what is, if you were to describe, because I think this would be important for anybody who is saying, well, why should I do that? I mean, yeah, I want to, I want to stop or I want to change, but what, what benefits do I get? How would you tell someone about the benefits they get? Well, the first and foremost, I think my message, well, I know my message is that there, I want to increase awareness that there are options. You don't have to walk around with this stone in your shoe and just accept it as this is part of the deal. It doesn't have to be part of the deal. So we can work together to figure out if you don't want to quit drinking, that's fine, but you can get rid of the parts that you don't like. That's completely possible. And just knowing that that is an option is critically important. You don't have to put up with the shitty parts of drinking, basically. Right. Um, and so that's one thing there, there's an option. Now, the second thing is, and before I hire a coach, I ask myself a number of questions. Is this something that I can do on my own? You know, if I've like, for example, I bought a guitar a couple of years ago with the grand intention of watching the videos and you know, practicing however many times, whatever, once a week or twice a week, whatever it is. I, I didn't do it. Right. It's, it's gathering dust up there. So if I really want to learn how to play the guitar, I've got to hire a coach. I've got to hire a teacher. Right. I just, that's, how, that's how it's going to work for me. So some people are totally fine. You can give them, and I, I do have an online course that a lot of people have seen great success with, and some people just want the additional accountability. They, they want the accountability. They want the additional support of having the, having the support of one-on-one. -on -one. Right. Well, are you going back to in-person work? Are you uh, no, I will always do a Zoom. You will always do it on Zoom. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It also gives you greater areas to work in, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. What I mean by that is that rather than in a, because so, some coaches work with, with a group format. Right. And so you, which is great because somebody else can get coached and you can kind of learn from them being coached. Right. But what can also happen is that you can kind of stay in the background and not no, raise your hand and no. not put yourself out there. Yeah. So that's not yeah. an option of one on one. It's not what you want to do. Well, and a, and a lot of people will say they feel more comfortable there because there is a lot of shame in this area and they don't want to air their dirty laundry in front of a bunch of people. So they'd rather have a conversation with somebody who really understands. Oh, that, that makes sense. Having a, a private conversation yeah. about a matter that is very difficult for people to talk about seems to me to be really necessary. 
Yeah. I mean, a lot of people haven't even told their doctors. Right. I yep. can't tell you how many times people will get on the call with me and say, you're the first person I've ever told any of this to. Right. Right. This has been, I've been carrying this burden and I, I'm so happy to just kind of release it. Well, I think uh, regardless of what, you know, conditions are for people being heard, whether it's, in, you know, the rehab type of thing or whether it's one-on-one mm -hmm. -on -one coaching, being heard in, in all kinds of healing is very, very important. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I imagine you had to develop a lot of that in marketing to find out what was needed and what you needed to do. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. How is it, and is it, I don't know if you can answer this question or not, but how do we know or how do you know when there is a person who's got that, that thing that goes over a little line that, that cannot or seems they really can't stop it too, or mm -hmm. whatever number it is. Yeah, yeah. Some other kind of help. Yeah, it, it becomes pretty apparent through the process that if they are not able to stick to their drink plan, then, you know, we do, we'll do some additional work. It could be something, there could be some other things going on there, but it becomes pretty apparent if they're not seeing any progress, then I will recommend that they, they do something else. Or, you know, there've been times where I've had a consult with somebody and it's just clear from the beginning that it's not a good fit. Right. Understood. Well, it has to be, if you're working in that intimate relationship that you're dealing with, it has to be a good fit. Yeah. And I, I mean, and I got in this to help people. I didn't get in this to, to frustrate anybody. So if I don't think that I can help them, I want to, I'll give them recommendations on what I think could be more appropriate. That's wonderful. Well, and I think that's very clear. And I think it's very clear that you are a person who cares and are trying to help and if, if people are looking for that kind of caring help, which I think they, they probably are, you would be a good match for them. That's wonderful. Thank you. Which brings us to the question, which is, if someone listening to us now would like to find out more, either for themselves or somebody else, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Yeah, so that would be through my website, and it's carolineholkecoaching.com. Okay. And I've also... You know, I'm happy to offer a free session to anybody that is listening. I, again, I'll go back to, I got into this work to help people and I really sincerely like to be able to offer that. All right. Is there some place they should go for that or should they go to the website and then they can find it on the website on the website. Excellent. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Well, that is wonderful. This has been delightful. I'm so glad we talked and I'm so glad you exist. I mean, I, I just need to say this, that to know for people who are struggling, and I've seen many, many people from my childhood on up looking at people who clearly needed some kind of help and they weren't getting it, but to know yeah. that, that there's a place with a caring person like yourself to go to, I think is quite wonderful. Quite Thank wonderful. you so much, Tom. Yeah, I mean, I work with smart, successful people that have figured out really complex things. And this one is just something that it's, it's hard to do on your own. Sometimes. Well, I mean, some people can, but I, I agree with you. And I also feel like in some case, this is a problem for smart people. It really is. So I'm glad you're there to help them. So, thank you very much. Caroline, thank you so much for being with us today. It was a pleasure. Thank you.